was brought to you by the brand new video game, Sneaker Snape Sniper, <laughs> where you can get a piece of the action. <laughs> Jabber with the Moa Dweebs, Arex's Prime Worm Time Podcast. A wooga. See, we're pros. And who, who are you? Who are you and what are we doing? Hi, I'm Alec Boyle, the organizer of this both thorough and flippant reread of Frank Herbert's classic sci fi novel, Dune. We are going through the book three chapters at a time and doing what many would describe as way too close of a reading. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Lily Brislin and Josh Stevens. I'm going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Before I introduce myself, uh, can I ask, are you proud to call yourself the organizer of whatever (laughs) this is? (laughs) Uh, Anyone who listens to the end of the episode and hears our... Uh, attempts at organizing a sound cue will know exactly what a massive achievement my organizing of this has been. Okay. It's all right. Right. We it's we arrived at the mountaintop haggard and possibly missing a couple limbs, but we arrived, and that's a fucking achievement when you see what I've got to work with. It only took an hour. We're good. Lily, give uh, everybody a quick rundown on who and what you are, and why, uh, and where. Ooh, deep, deep questions. Why am I? My name is Lily. I refer to myself as the token female, but I feel like I don't want to do that anymore. I want to feel like I am the reverend mother of this podcast, there right? <laughs> if we're giving ourselves titles. I'm a dude enthusiast that remembers nothing about reading the book before, so <laughs> I'm rediscovering it. Uh, new. And that's what I do. Yeah, we have a lot in common. I, uh, I'm also rediscovering this uh, this new. Who are uh, you? For the second, third time. But I am Josh Stevens, as you as you told everybody a minute ago. Um, I, I don't know. You're the gurney, dude. We already decided this. That's true. That's true. I, I guess I am our fearless troubadour um, and uh, PR spin man. Mm-hmm. So welcome. The shoe fits, man. This the still suit fits. <laughs> Nothing, no, no, no. Still suits ever finish. Never fit this lump of a, this ugly lump of a man. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to Gom Jabber. Uh, we are going to start as always with a uh, a brief recap of what we read. And uh, and a quote. Um, I let me say as always. Just just why why would you do that? <laughs> Never miss a beat Most on that once in our entire career. <laughs> it's it's our shtick, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's do our shtick. Let's let's pretend that this is how we've all, all together we've always been. And I'm certain that we will make sure we give a very thorough like recap of each chapter, exactly where it falls in the book, all of all of the relevant information that you need for a proper Dune reading. So, Alec, 
what did we read? So we read three chapters. Uh, do we want to start with the quote, or should I just give the thirty-second and then we'll do quotes? Thirty-second rundown with Al Foyle. Okay, so the thirty-second. And where does it fall in the book? What chapter is it? Fuck you. <laughs> I don't remember. Is it 11 to 14? Yeah. Okay. Okay, hold on. We did 1 through 3. Then we did 4 through 6. Then we did 7 through... 7, 8, 9, 10. 7 through 10. And then we did 11 through 13. So this is 14, 15, 16. 14 through 16. In a book with no chapters in which time is a construct. (laughs) I'm going to get out a marker and I'm just going to start writing chapter numbers in my book. Yeah, that's so, what we need. So they can't do this to me anymore. Well, it's like it's like what you wrote in your other copy of the book, right? I mean, you love scribbling inside <laughs> Dune books. <laughs> I do love scribbling. Now, are we going to share that on the Instagram? Yeah, we yeah. should. Uh, yeah, Lily, you have the you have the photo, right? I think so. To yeah, all our fans, follow us at Gomjabber on the Insta. Our, um, our original copy of Dune from both of our first readings. I don't know, I how, how old is this copy? How old is this copy of the book? I mean, this has got to be uh, circa. I mean, it's my dad's original paperback, so I think it's older than that. I think it's like a '70s or '80s copy. Oh. Well, I would know, but that page has been ripped out of the book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as I as I look through it, there's a little piece of that page somewhere as a bookmark, um, but it's the Amazing. top of the page, not the page that shows you the um, the year. Oh wait, I'm lying. 1960, oh no, this just says... That's the original printing, yeah. Yeah, You know what's fantastic? This this one is right below that. You're not the first person I lent that copy to. I lent that to one of my managers when I worked at the theater in Evanston. And he's the one who did the original, like, murder job on the cover binding. So, for those of you that can't see this copy, it's a super old paperback. And Josh shared a picture. I don't know if it was today or yesterday. I thought it was like Alex's dad's copy. I was very confused. Or if Josh's like kid, had, there's like a scribbledy drawing on the inside cover. <laughs> and now I'm learning. No, this is Alec in his twenties was making childlike scribbledy drawings. No, I was no, 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 cover. no. That was high school. That no, was no, high you were probably school. like ten. Yeah. Oh, high school. Okay, high school maybe. Oh, maybe I'm sorry. Really, yeah, maybe junior high. Well, in, it on the still last looks like a three-year-old who doesn't understand that humans have two bodies. Page, a two-page map on the back here, and I think you were trying to go mm. off of that. Okay, I believe that theory. I have to say I've loved, um, uh, in the Dune social media verse, there are, I had no idea how many gorgeous copies of Dune there are out there. Are out there. a lot. It is cool. I yeah, there are some really good I perusing the hashtag Dune. Mm-hmm. Um, super gorgeous. Every time I see one, I think I got the wrong one, and then I see this one, I'm like, ah, I really like this one. But no, nope. if you're listening, but to this, I could definitely and you've got see a dope ass copy of Dune. Several. What were you saying, Lily? I was gonna say, if we have listeners, if they exist, and they have some sweet old copies of Dune, please tag us. I would love to see them at Gomjabber, and we'll have a whole post on it. Yeah, we'll we'll yeah. repost your ancient copies of Dune. That'd be dope. All right, we still, y'all, we have not done the, the, give us the 30 second rundown. Okay, so the 30 second rundown of this is we read three chapters, 
two of which are extremely long by the standards of this book up until this point, and like yeah. as long as the first three chapters put together. Um, but the first chapter is uh, Big Daddy and Little Polly having a talk in a room, uh, basically where the Duke uh, announces that he is going to act like he doesn't trust Jessica and uh, no one can know except Paul, because apparently Paul is the only one the Harkonnens won't be paying attention to, which again, getting back to our theme of extreme underestimate of Harkonnen intelligence assets. But the idea is that if if the Duke dies, which I mean, who would expect? Come, come on, the Duke gonna die? No, but the Duke thinks he might die. And if he does, he wants Paul to be able to tell Jessica that the Duke never actually doubted her. He was just being even more of a dick to her than usual because the Harkonnens had planted some suspicion. So yes, so the Duke wants Paul to be around to tell him, or to tell Jessica, the Duke wants Paul to know the truth so he can tell Jessica if the Duke dies that the Duke never actually doubted Jessica. And apparently uh, this is going to lead us into... Some kind of segue, Josh says. Yeah, that is a perfect segue into our favorite segment, Worlds Collide. <laughs> Do you guys think that the Duke just ran headfirst into Ned Stark? That's where Worlds Collide. Um... Ned Stark, the Duke of Game of Thrones. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> if, Double spoiler if either alert. of them ever die, is it... <laughs> <laughs> Worlds collide. <laughs> oh, are there any Wait, passages? Ned never thought his wife would betray him, did he? No, no, no. But I think the question is more, are there passages in uh, the first Game of Thrones book where Ned is like, hey, just in case I die? Or is he the opposite? Because he had some shit he probably should have told people in case he died and never did. <laughs> that was part of it. In fact, he said, I will tell you when I get back. But it's mm. also more the thought of... Um, neither of them ever underestimated their opponents. Um, <laughs> both of them lived to a ripe old age. Um, just beloved leaders of their houses. Um, I think there's some similarities here. Yeah, there are. Does actually. that make Jon Snow Paul then, or is who's Paul in the, then that metaphor? Uh, Jon Snow clearly. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, they both have in trait the. Spoiler alert trait of, like, right, their ascension to leadership is in many ways more problematic than helpful. By which mm-hmm. I mean Paul and John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, this is this is a full-blown Worlds Collide. Okay. No, I like it. Yeah, I'll buy it. Uh, this segment of Worlds Collide was brought to you by the brand new video game, Sneaker Snape Sniper, <laughs> where you can get a piece of the action. <laughs> Maybe you are resident uh, equipment manager for the Dune team. Can remember the names of all the little funny pieces and and sneaker snapes that are involved in this in your inventory list. Oh, I mean, some of us are too busy. I'm never going to forget sneaker snape. And if I ever like get a sci-fi novel published, sneaker snapes are going to be a very significant part of it. I mean, they let you merge your face with snapes for your avatar. 
It's kind of it's kind of like that Frodo Gollum mashup or the one we oh, yeah. sent you earlier today. That, that was, was great. Yeah, that was delightful. Oh, we gotta find some more loader worlds collides because I'm sure they're out there. Mm hmm. All right, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll think yeah. of it. Yeah. Back to this world. Yeah, let's get. Back I to don't this world. understand back to why. Why can't the Duke just be like, yo? Yo, Jessica, here's what I think. He absolutely suspects Jessica. This is all a cover. Be like, no, Paul, I never suspected your mom. But everybody, eyes on Jessica. Mm. Not Jessica, but I mean. Yeah, no, I think that actually makes sense. Because he would know, like, she's a Benny Jesserit. If anybody can lie in front of a camera convincingly, it's fucking her, right? Right. Yeah. But she would have done it already. She would have done it already. We've already been through this. Yeah. She would have done it a hundred times already. So I don't buy it. Okay. I'm not buying it for a dollar. And she couldn't possibly know who her parents are. <laughs> okay. What happened and the, the next quote chapter? to this chapter, we never Yeah, read. go ahead and read. Oh, you forgot to, yeah. yeah well, because we were going to do, do the whole three-chapter rundown, and then uh, Josh. But anyway, let's do the quote for this chapter. Then let's do some more coverage on this chapter, and then go on to the second one. Mm-hmm. I swear. Mm-hmm. We will not deviate. Go, Lily, There's go. probably no more terror. Go, Lily, I was go. Reading it. There is probably no more terrible instant of enlightenment than the one in which you discover your father is a man with human flesh from Collected Sayings of Muad'Dib by the Princess Irulan. What's great about it is... read that quote twice. Yeah. <laughs> we make up for the ones we didn't read at all. Well, but also we already read that quote twice last week. I think I only included one in the final audio. But we've now read that quote four times, possibly more than we've read other quotes. Oh, was I total. supposed to read the next one? No, no, okay. we just read it early, a couple times. That's uh, fine. I don't care. So Paul, <laughs> yeah, his dad. Back to this. So he's like, okay, look, I can only tell you and not your mother that I don't suspect your mother because no reason whatsoever. But also, he just sort of runs. Uh, way too much. He like puts way too much on Paul. The Duke cuts him off, saying, "I have to have someone I can say these things to." Son, he sighed, glancing back at the dry landscape. Even the flowers are gone now. Yeah, which is fucked up. Like that's not a position you put your kid in. So, well, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, everything the Duke does is fucked up. But while we're talking about fucked up things, the Duke has said, "I want to talk about. I'm morally tired." The melancholy degeneration of the great houses has afflicted me at last, perhaps. And we were such strong people once, which is a ludicrously fascist sentence. (laughs) (laughs) That's the most fascist thing I've ever read, and I live in America in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the Duke does need an additional confidant. I mean, even in the, what is it, the next chapter... Um, someone even says to him, you do travel with a light complement of guards, my lord. So, well, you know, it's one so of those old. things where he... And Thufer is so old. You got one out the door. You got... <laughs> uh, also some foreshadowing, maybe. And, and, um, and but... right, and um, uh, Duncan is serving two masters. That's... So can't trust that's him. That's is. <laughs> Right, you can't trust his woman, so yeah, he's running. He's running out of confidence real, confidence real yeah, quick. Yeah, because he 
I mean, I do love Jessica, though, because um, your mother's response must not be an act. Oh, she's capable of a supreme act. <laughs> but he's the Duke is saying, oh, Jessica, like, he's like, no, she will kill me. Back to, you know, shout out Mapes, ride or die. Jessica is definitely his ride or die Betty Jezzer bitch. Well, but... yeah, Jessica fooled the shout out Mapes. If she can fool the shout out Mapes, she can fool fucking anybody. Right. Yeah. This is, hence, he doesn't actually trust her. Yeah, I agree. <sighs> but, we, I mean, here is where we finally learn that the Duke is a flawed human being. <laughs> I mean, is this, is this? This, this is, is this the first really time they've hinted at it. Uh, and... And they really wanna, they really wanna, you know, bring it home. They're yeah. really showing yeah, us. Yeah, you're right. They're really lifting the veil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. Does anything else actually happen in that chapter that's like, no, worthwhile? Um, I mean. They do get to talk, talk about how his propaganda corps. Yeah, you had some good thoughts finest. about propaganda last time, but yeah, but I don't have any this time. Okay, fair. <laughs> my other, my only other takeaway from this chapter is further proof that I just want to be a rich person or like royals because even the Duke is just pill popping to get through the days. Um, he took an anti-fatigue tablet from his pocket and gulped it dry. Power and fear, he said, the tools of stagecraft. Um. Yeah, they're just uppers, downers, innies, outers. That's all. That's they're all. Yeah, just floating through. I mean, right after they talk about the propaganda corps, he says, "There's greater possibility for us here on Arrakis than the Imperium could ever suspect." So, I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's he's ready for this. <laughs> I think his propaganda works better on him than on anybody else. That might be. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's move on to these two novella sized chapters uh okay. i'll read know, i kind of yeah i'll read the first no, never quote. mind yeah yeah go ahead my father the padasha emperor took me by the hand one day and i sensed in the ways my mother had taught me that he was disturbed he led me down the hall of portraits to the ego likeness of the duke leto atreides we'll come back to that in a second i marked the strong resemblance between them my father and this man in the portrait both with thin elegant faces and sharp features dominated by cold eyes princess daughter he, my father said i would that you'd been older when it came time for this man to choose a woman my father was 71 at the time and looking no older than the man in the portrait and i was but 14 yet i remember deducing in that instant that my father secretly wished the duke had been his son and disliked the political necessities that made them enemies from in My Father's House by the Princess Arulan, the only book she ever published about a guy she disliked more than Paul Atreides. <laughs> so are we turning to Princess Daughter? You have thought? Oh, well, no. So, so actually, no. My first thing I wanted to talk about was ego-likeness. Which I guess means they're saying that like they don't even pretend they're real portraits. It's just like a picture oh. of what you wish you looked like. Oh. I don't like that version. I thought it was like, you know how sometimes in sci-fi things they'll just make up overly mm. fraught terms to make things seem clever. Like, oh, I don't know, space bag. <laughs> <laughs> space bag! 
Uh, no, I. Oh man, we have to now get a sponsorship from Ego Portraits Inc. Ego, I'll add it to the. I'll click. I'll reach out to them. Hold on. Okay. Ego Portraits <laughs> Inc. And uh, you know, you said the magic word here um, because was I it think space it's bag? time for. A, it was. <laughs> it was in fact space bags. Um, they. I reached out to space bags this week, and it was actually on a time a timely basis here because I'm in the process of packing my entire home. As I move from one planet to another, and um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know if any of you have ever have ever tried packing all of your belongings in order to move it from one place to another. I also don't know if any of you have ever had as many belongings as I do. And if you That's have, a for as many sure, no. I do. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you definitely don't. Um, most people don't. Um, Hold on, let me get let me get back to the copy that they gave me here. Hold on a second. It says, it says um, I I don't know when the last time you moved from one planet to another, but even those short moves can be a real hassle. Uh, I'm currently sitting in a room filled with freshly packed boxes. They didn't write that; I did. Um, and <laughs> sorry, Lily, cut it out. You're 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 ruining this whole thing. They're, just, they're never going to give us a dime if I can't get through the copy. <laughs> okay. All right. You're going to have to cut that. Cut this whole thing out. Oh, yeah. Let's, I promise. Let's go I back promise. to where I did a great job earlier. Um, so uh, why move your stuff by hand when you can use space bags? Space bags when you're tired of moving your own stuff. Why fold your clothes when you can fold space? Now, every space bag comes with a full-sized navigator right there inside. Space bags when you just don't want to move your own shit. <laughs> to get your own space bag, go to gomjabber.com forward slash space bags. That's, that's, yes. Yes, thank you. Whew. Oh boy! And you, and you, you gotta, you gotta use, you gotta use our, um, our promo code. Promo uh, code. <laughs> well, what's our promo code again? You're really killing it on the, on the, um, hookup here, Josh. Boyle, what's the promo code? I think they sent, they sent it to you in an email. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, hang on, hang on a second. Um, uh, the the promo code is bulbous with it. spice. That, that, bulbous with that, spice. That's gumjabber.com forward slash space bag. Enter code bulbous with spice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I couldn't remember what it was. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Space Bags. Yeah, thank you, Space Bags. You, you know, it's, just, it's, it's sponsors like that to keep the podcast going, especially in these uncertain times. <laughs> Speaking of uncertain times, I hear you have a new... A new bit of stability. Yeah, I, uh, I have a new actual full-time job. It's uh, 100% remote. I work for a really awesome uh, company that makes programming languages for synthesizers uh, called Cycling74. And what are you going to be doing for them? I'm bookkeeping. Bookkeeping, you say? Yes. So when they got you all oriented... 
orientated, whatever the word would be here, uh, and they got your software all loaded so you could do your bookkeeping. Uh, did they have you using the newest version of Chumcut Pro? <laughs> we do use Chumcut Pro, actually. It's shocking. All right. Well, th- that's great. Well, that means it's time to go to the Chum Zone. Awooga, <laughs> The Chum Zone is where we really make make our money here. Um, do you wish that you had your own personal Mentat? Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you can anytime. Okay. <laughs> Mentats are on call with Chumcut Pro. You log in, and they take care of everything you need: your finances, your bookkeeping. They'll get you all set. What about my Chumcut Pro? I really need someone to direct and control my assassins. Can Chumcut Pro help with that? Of course, of course. Uh, it's it's fully featured. It's fully featured. It's it's the Pro version. It's, they didn't have that feature in the regular Chumcut. But Chomecut Pro does have assassin organizational features uh, built right in. Uh, with Chomecut Pro, now you can get a cut of the profits. <laughs> now, how would you compare Chomecut Pro to an old leather bag? <laughs> um, I, I would say that uh, I would say it's less leathery. <laughs> wow. Delight. The world is rife with entrepreneurial possibility. Yeah. No, we uh, we're really raking it in this week. Right. <laughs> so back back to book. our summary. Back to the book. Back to the book. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So we talked about ego portraits, which I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's just that's fine. That's what regular painting portraits were anyway, right? You you do a lot in post on a oil portrait. But, uh, yeah, yeah, let's talk about Daughter Princess. Let's do it. Let's talk about this. Oh, that's fine. Let's talk about this 71-year-old with a 14-year-old daughter. Yeah, you know, the whole time I listened to this, the ages were the only thing that were stuck in my head, and basically everything else sounded like word salad to me. So getting hearing you read it again really helped me. Um, yeah, so, I mean, besides that face, Lily, do you have anything to say about Daughter Princess or a 71-year-old with a 14-year-old daughter? I'm just appalled at myself that I glance over those things so readily. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I used to see mm. this. Never kind of like... Well, I do think... Isn't he implying there that he wished that he could have married his daughter off to, to the Duke? Yes, that is 100% what he's implying. It's also, I think, meant to make us note that because every... Every rich person in Dune is on a buttload of spice. Okay? The right. spice is a geriatric drug. It's meant to mainly say, okay, this guy is 71, but he doesn't actually look much older than the 40-something or whatever Duke. Mm. So it's mainly... But why does that make him want to marry off his 14-year-old daughter to a 40-something-year-old Duke that he... That he really liked. No, no, he wishes. But wanted she, to betray. When when the Duke was choosing a a a breeding partner, uh, <laughs> right, Arulin was probably like two, and so the Emperor is just saying he wishes she had been, you know, like a nice marriageable thirteen by the time the Duke was looking <laughs> for somebody, because then they could have 
merged the houses and not gone to war. But what's kind of insane about that is that the whole excuse that old, you know, Leto the sleazy gives Jessica for not marrying her is keeping himself open for marriage alliances. So why couldn't he have this marriage alliance with the two-year-old, the two-year-old so, uh, princess? Totally could have. Someone is bullshitting someone. I yeah. wonder who it could be. <laughs> I mean, because then he, because then the duke would have been fifty and had a ten-year-old, thirteen-year-old daughter. I mean, at some point, this shit would have all evened out. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you just carry the one. <laughs> I think this is also the first time that we learn sort. We don't know before now that the princess Irulan, Ruin, whatever we're calling her, is the Padishah's daughter, right? This is the first time we officially learned that? Oh, that might yeah. be, yeah. Right, so mm-hmm. we now know that about her. I guess it's interesting to try and look at that from like the angle of somebody reading for the first time. Like, who is this? Who is this broad? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is the first time we know that about her. We still don't know other things about her. But we you can think? guess that she gets real involved with the old Muad'Dimster. Right. She somehow gets very attached to the House Atreides, which apparently is going to get right shellacked any second now by the ultra-clever you know, machinations of the Harkonnens. And <laughs> right. I feel like the 50 novels she's written and this one being titled In My Father's House reminds me that she was probably locked in a closet. That is true. She probably time, literally right? was just had nothing to do but type. God, it's so sad. Yes. On a, on a typewriter, though. Sad. Or did she literally just type her fingers on a Mentat? Yeah, she literally <laughs> just... You just punch a Mentat in the right sequence. <laughs> and then later they go and handwrite a book. I think that's how it works. Um, but let's... So we, we want to actually try to get through this episode in under an hour this time. So let's talk a little bit about the chapter, even though I know it's 100 years long um this is the chapter oh, i forgot about the chapter where they both meet kinds for the first i know we all did they meet kinds who is pretty obviously liette although apparently these incredibly sharp-eyed hawk-brained atreides just can't pick up on that fact despite literally everyone who walks behind kinds being like liette yeah <laughs> yeah uh, and then they go and look at some spice Yeah, it's confusing to read, because even, even I, who don't remember anything, I'm like, wait, how did, do they not know? I'm so confused. I've spent a lot of time confused in these chapters. Really? really? Not profoundly confused. More right. Just like, but, like, why? Yeah. Yeah, what were you confused about? Do they, how do they not know that he's, we at... Is every now that I'm thoroughly enmeshed in y'all's Dune conspiracies, I'm like, oh, everything's mm-hmm. just been pre-programmed by the Benny Jesuits, right? Like every time Paul says something that's oh right, everybody's like, holy Jessica shit, and he the, said it, and the Fremen are like, Mojib, quit that Tarek. I'm like, oh, this is all part of the plan. This is probably RBG put it in his head, you know, like yeah. conditioned him to say a few things when he hears about this, say something like this. I agree. I 100% agree. Um, Josh, I feel like you're going to have a lot of thoughts about the first time we see sandworms. Uh, I, I certainly will. Um, 
Yeah, no, no. What I... about all the oil extraction parts? What do people think about those? Um... Oh, going back to OPEC? Yeah, and just the, no more like the the roughnecks, right? The 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 sand riding <coughs> roughnecks. I think so. the guys that carry space bags. Yeah, I mean those guys know. <laughs> and a they're not even bag. that roughnecks, right? Like it sounds like they get in the in Josh's favorite ornithopter or the carryall or whatever it is. And even the Atreus, you're like, oh, this is cush, man. There's like air conditioning. There's some nice seats. There's a gorgeous gray-green upholstery. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Which is just such a sign that this book was written in the 60s, 70s. Like, mmm, avocado, the color of luxury. I I loved everything. I loved everything about this chapter. So much ornithopter goodness. Um, (laughs) The only thing I didn't like about this chapter was that the the carry-all didn't show up. I have a question. And this hmm. just occurred to me. But does Halix, does Gurney's song combined with the Atreides Aqualine nose imply that the Atreides are Jewish? Huh. What about the song? Our fathers ate manna in the desert. Yeah. They're, um... Oh. That is interesting. Well, this song doesn't have to be about the Atreides, does it? That's true. Somebody else could have written that song. Gurney is a worldly is a is an otherworldly man. I mean, That's a he... good point. That's a good point. So, so he just likes Jewish. I just don't think it's right. The... He just likes Jewish songs. Yeah. He maybe Gurney was a cantor in another life before the Harkonnens pissed him off. I mean. <laughs> Oh, you know what, Alec? My brain immediately went to um, Anathem instead of the actual Jewish faith. <laughs> does what part does of this Gurney song? The Cantors and the Retors. Oh, right. But those are, that's short for in I listen Cantor. to. Yeah. You listen yeah. to. We don't have. We're not ready for that world collide yet. I'm. I am okay. waiting for a really good. And Neil's okay, we'll wait for the correct is. moment to bring up Anathem. Okay, what were you going to say, Josh? Yep. Um, I was wondering if either of you had a song in mind that this song reminds you of. Like, is there a, is there a oh, song that just really captures oh, the essence of oh. this? I don't know how you do it, Josh. I, when I see songs and books, I, I like music. I sing stupid songs to myself all the time. I can never effectively come up with any sort of tune for things. I yeah, me. vaguely... Me half chant things to myself and then old josh comes out with the fully realized diddy me neither but i'm gonna say cold as ice (laughs) oh that's interesting i'll i'll run that through the uh i'll run that through the software and see what uh see what comes up i had i had a couple of ideas um i started to play with it but then got real busy with packing because i don't have any space bags which i really really pissed about they didn't send me a sample they didn't send me a sample they didn't send me any samples. Uh, I really needed them this week. But that's okay. We, have, we we love you, space bags. Maybe they did, but somebody actually t- turned it inside out, and then all of the space time reverses. So, Oof, And now we're all inside the space bag. Yeah, don't you hate when that You know, we got, a, um, we, got an, we got an email. Well, an electronic communication of sorts from a, from a listener. Okay, I'm ready. You lie. This is, we this don't is have an, you, you're looking at me like it's a joke. It's not a joke. It's true. It's totally true. 
Um, I'm still gonna look at you like you're a joke. Is it Alex's dad? He, he, he very much enjoyed. Um, thank you for for writing us, Andrew. Um, he very much enjoyed uh, how drunk we were last week, and um, he was a little surprised that you, Boyle, forgot about the uh, the shields. The why why they the Fremen were laughing about the shields. It's not. That was so funny. It's not that I forgot that shields don't work. It's that I just don't feel like I get the same emotional comedic impact out of it that the Fremen do. Um, and so I decided that you needed to be laughed at for it and figured this is a good time to, to bring it up. Okay, um, I'm ready. But yeah, it's basically that a man-sized shield draws every worm from hundreds of meters around and sends them into a killing frenzy, and that is objectively funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, so I don't know what's it. wrong with your sense of humor. I don't know what's wrong with your sense of humor here. <laughs> but something's broken. All right, maybe. Maybe. I'll accept that punishment. I mean, my fathers ate man in the desert. No, they didn't. And Andrew also pointed out um, <clears throat> that really the whole notion of shield fighting makes you an ineffective fighter for any other type that, of Oh, yeah, you, that is a really good point. When you fight in a shield, you have to fight slow. That's what they establish in the, like, Paul and Gurney have a makeout chapter. Um, And then what the Fremen are laughing at is that when you can't use a shield, but you've grown up using shields to fight, you're basically, like, walking around, like, Elaine dancing, right? You're just, like, moving super slowly in these ridiculous arm gestures, and you're really easy to stab. It's like doing a martial arts <laughs> kata, right? You're doing, like, real slow tai chi. I get it. Yeah, and so. I also like the moment when the Duke uh, let Liet inside his shield. And now that I'm attentive to, like, little sexy little tensions that I was so oblivious to before. Um, yet. Oh, so the Duke frowned thinking... How delicate this moment when Liet wants to come in and touch his suit. I, if I refuse, it may offend him. And this could be a man whose value to me is beyond measure. Yet, to let him inside my shield, touching my person when I know so little about him. <laughs> that's, more, that's more classically like subdued homoeroticism, right? Like, right. The stuff in the last chapter was pretty just like blatant. <laughs> I also don't want to miss the opportunity. I hope, Alec, maybe you can tell me if we come back to this, but um, they're talking about how good the Fretman suits are, and it's, oh, you won't lose a thimble full of moisture, even if you're caught in the Great Erg, <laughs> which I'm assuming is a desert of some sort, but that is the best name we've come across Yeah, so no, far. it's it's actually a leather What page is this on? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of moisture going around in that. See, this is parade. the advantage of me having uh, remembered reading ahead, right? It's, it's <laughs> true. Yeah, your 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 memory is spot on. What cha- what page was that on? One thirty nine. In uh, in our, I don't know. We are all reading from the same compendium. If y'all are listening, and this chapter also, they got all um, they got their undies in a bundle over 
you call him my duke and his lordship. Like, I don't... The medieval house structure I know is useful to this book, but sometimes it's just so overwrought and kind of annoying. Well, so I actually got some interesting insight into that recently about how mainly, and I already forgot their name, but there was a political (coughs) and economic writer who was writing sort of in like the 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, I'll try to look up their name while I tell you guys this. Um, But who's like the main basis of their theories was that as societies continue, they all, and this is, this is an idea that's widely disproven or disagreed with nowadays, but their, their idea was that all societies trend towards the medieval. Huh. Um, hang on. And, and so they, Herbert's a- right. And so I'm wondering if Herbert was in <clears throat> fact influenced by this writer Right, and so, but I, mean, I still think it's a dumb take. But well, I parts of it I appreciated. My takeaway from it was just like any any time you have to uh, Hayek. insist on your authority that much. Friedrich Hayek, that's the thinker I'm thinking of. Okay. Uh, it it to me just screams of fragility, and not just male fragility but but in this case like uh royal or whatever fragility it's like no call me and so in the same way that and it there's interesting parallels not interesting there's like painfully accurate parallels with the <laughs> academy and sort of like who gets to use their titles when and who oh. gets to by their titles and it just points to the balsa wood construct that is both of those things like no call me doctor no call him your lordship and he's got to have his hype man doing that for him, you know? Well, that's just more yeah, of his... I mean, um, no politician. In- so they go and they look at the, the spice harvesting. Oh, is that all in this chapter? And the Duke plays hero. And Kynes is like, I don't know about these people. He's, he's very ambivalent about them. Yeah, it kind of goes on a while. Right, he wants to hate them, but then Paul puts his suit on. Paul puts his leathers on really well. And kind of just very impressed. Um, what was the other thing? So we get through the whole thing. The worm sign shows up. Paul spots it. We learn that the Duke's actually pretty good at the military. The, the only thing the Duke might be good at is flying ornithopters around and oh that's interesting no that's actually a really interesting point like you're right he's good at he's good at flying the stupid bug plane he's good at Mm -hmm. screaming at guys in a field wait what did you just call the ornithopter (laughs) (laughs) you piece of shit (laughs) i'm just trying to generate conflict so we boost the ratings you know you you're a dick um also he is super super nice to his people you know he spots he spots the uh the worm sign and then he gets this uh this commission and he gives it back to the men well and i was he's a i was wondering how you how you felt about about? you missed all of this lily no i just think you're fucking wrong (laughs) 
You don't think him giving the money back to the men was was kind and All right. All right. Follow me here, Josh. So, the big boss from corporate comes down and is like, "Oh, we're going to play a game to see who gets the most I don't know, sales in the month." And let me just see how it goes. Accidentally picks up the phone, fixes a problem, and he technically wins the quarterly bonus for the whole operation for but the this... year. And he's like, "You know what?" Let me be benevolent. As the CEO, I'm not going to take the bonus that I rightfully earned. I rightfully earned this bonus uh, that was meant for my employees who risked their life on a daily basis. No, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it back to him. And you have to. He and then his, and then his stoogie comes over. I am going to apologize for Lito right here. Okay. Y'all are a bunch of Duke apologists. I'm ready for it. So first of all, (laughs) this is the Duke's like first day on the job this is the new ceo playing Uh by the old ceo's rules right he doesn't even know about the rule he doesn't know about the bonus he happens to spot the uh what what would you call this here and if we're trying to make a corporate analogy here he happens to spot the um i don't know he gets a lead he 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 picks up a business card yeah he gets those still exist Sure. Yeah. He he spots he spots the big fish, right? And uh, he he tells the people, "Hey, you guys are in danger." And they go, "Hey, who's that? Whoever you are, you just you just did us a, a real favor, Mister, and you've you've earned the prize, and we want to make sure you get it." And then they deliberate for a second, and then they 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 tell him, "Yeah, it was it was the Duke. The Duke just saved your ass." And they're like, "Yeah, Duke." And then then he's like. Well, you guys can also keep the prize. Yeah, that's just the bare minimum of decency. That's not like he's a really solid dude. It's no. like you don't get The Duke then risks his his own ass and his son's ass and his ornithopter. Let's be real about that. His <laughs> special fucking ornithopter. It's a real good ornithopter too. It could take on way more men and carry a way higher weight limit. And the Duke really loves this this piece of machinery. And rightfully so. Really let's, let's get that right. <laughs> oh, he sure does. He talks about. He talks about. No, no. He talks about how much he. Here, boys. Do you know how many times he talks about how much he loves this bird? Like he's like, no, not this. This bird can handle it. Like he is. He's all. About, he's as into this bird as I am. Okay. All right. And he I agree. puts more faith in that ornithopter than he does in his not wife. Absolutely. No, this is his real woman. Okay. <laughs> this is the woman that would never betray him. Um, and he and he believes it with every ounce and fiber of his being, um, and he puts that thing down on the sand amongst some worm sign to pick up some guys he doesn't know, and then he, and he he ends up losing all of his equipment. He loses all that spice, and he still doesn't go back on letting the other guys keep uh, keep the commission. Josh, Even I'm though, with you, except the commission thing. Hold on. I think yes, you're Alan. both right. By which I mean, I think that from, it is a, if it, I think that in reality, it would be an effective PR tool, right? It is, it is both ethically insignificant for the actual Duke to do that. And True. would convince a bunch of sand roughnecks that the Duke was a cool dude. Yeah, it was smart for him to do it. I mean, he didn't actually give up anything. Right. Right. I mean, he's got that aspect of 
uh, making himself look good to the men down. Like he does so, that. No. That's Gurney what he does. That the Duke is really just well. like flying around, spouting worms, and then Gurney's like, give him, give him the bonus. Tell him that he's got it. He's he, he doesn't do any of that. He just I just fly the ornithopter and I boss people around and we're a real dickhole. Can I incorporate? Well, no, I, thought a that, um, I thought that it was just that. Was it Halleck's idea? Well, oh, was it yes. Halleck's? Wait, was it Halleck's idea to give them the money, or did Halleck yes. just make the decision that it was okay to say the Duke's name over the air uh, based on weighing the no, no, risks? No, no, I think it was an unspoken communication between Halleck and the Duke. Like, the Duke never said anything, but Halleck said, "Tell them to split the money," and the Duke was like, "Yeah, that's what you should do." Y'all give the Duke a lot of credit. That's all I'm saying. It, we'll we'll, we'll agree on where we are. Because Fine. I want to hear Alex World Collide. So this is a very controversial one, and I may cut it from the episode. But are you ready for this Worlds Collide? <laughs> I don't think I'm... you get to cut it, Alex, because you are the you're this arbiter. You're the Princess Irulan of our chronicles here. Right. And you and only cut out the shit that makes narrator. you look bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> so when Worlds right, Collide, the Bible. What? So... This has always just been a thing that personally bugs me about the New Testament. Is right? Is it John three sixteen? And God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. He didn't. Mm-hmm. In our great, in our uh, Arrested Development tradition, He didn't. It's and God so loved the world, He briefly loaned out His only Son, who was also Him. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like an it's kind of like a separated appendage, right? Right. He like, yeah, God sacrificed nothing, but gained a ton of approval. <laughs> You're right, Alec. This is a super hot take <laughs> coming on the heels of saying coming on the heels of saying are those Atreides Jews? <laughs> so maybe, maybe this segment does get cut out. There are issues. There are issues with it. It is 10 o'clock. We have been at this, the recording, for probably an hour. And the dinner party, there's just too much. There is a lot of dinner parties. We'll be be back on the, we've done three chapters average every week. That's true. Yeah, Yeah. we take a chapter off. That's fine, because there's so much to talk about in the dinner party chapter. This chapter is three chapters alone. Right. Maybe even um, we do the dinner party chapter, like, alone, because it's so dense. Well, we could we could have at least one one or more in our back pocket. Well, let's see what the ones after that are. Right, everyone should read. I'm just saying, when we talk, we should be prepared to literally spend an hour and a half talking about the dinner party. That's fine. Because I actually I think, um, and I guess I'll try to get into this more next week. I think the dinner party chapter of Dune is one of the best written chapters of a thing that I've ever read. Yeah, good teaser. I think next week, or next uh, episode, that will be... uh, I love how dense and deep the dinner party chapter is. I... Mm -hmm. You're going to have to sell me, Alec. That's the part where it got a bit, like, too much for me. We'll get there. We'll get there. You're going to love it. Let's get back to this chapter, because we (laughs) haven't even gotten to the exciting stuff yet. Okay, let's let Josh talk about worms, and then we'll, uh, we'll start to wrap up. Um, hold on, I, I lost my place here. Mm. 
Well, I mean, one, we get that beautiful mana song in the desert from uh, from Gurney Halleck. Hopefully I will um, be so inspired during this week of moving without a space bag um, and be able to record something for you all for next uh, next time. But then, after all of that, the Duke, so the Duke spots the worm sign. They call in. They call in the carryall. You know, the big, the big ornithopter to pick up, pick up the carryall harvester. The car- supposed to pick up the harvester of all the spice and bring their all their just-in-time uh, spice right back to the factory for processing. And uh, it's nowhere to be sp- be found. I mean, they had four spotters. They didn't see it. <laughs> The Duke saw it, but not, but not the four spotter. I mean, you know how many ornithopters were in the air there? It was beautiful. Um, and then that worm just comes right up on that on that harvester, and they have to. The Duke comes hatches this amazing plan to have all the all the uh, the spotters and him land on opposite sides, and let all the men run out. They did not have enough room. They were going to make them choose two guys to die. And uh, they managed to fit everyone in there. They what, they what they throw out? They throw out their shield generators or something like that? It's because they're laughable. Yeah. No. I mean, he was he was brilliant, and uh, and he saved the men. It was a, it was a great it was a great day for the Duke. Um, and even in his large uh, ornithopter, was able to take off even with all the extra weight in there. And he did some uh, some hot shot flying. It was it was it was top it was Top Gun. In an ornithopter, mini worlds collide, <laughs> right there. Um, and then uh, at the last minute, right as this worm shows up and eats the harvester, they see two men on the sand. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool, except <laughs> it was only cool because those guys didn't die, and they figured out they were probably Fremen. And so then they got to like question the crew of the harvester about why they were carrying Fremen, and there was this whole contentious thing. Uh, that chapter was pretty. In- or that section was pretty interesting. It was. Uh, it was exciting. There was I a lot of people it. coughing Liette behind Kynes' back there. <laughs> right. That's that's true. They were, um, and there was a there was a lot of people who had. Um, they were really impressed that the Duke could count minutes without a clock. <laughs> he knew to the second how long that worm was going to be before it showed up. Um, I mean, That's he didn't make the initial I mean, estimate, but he knew how to count the to, time. To show me that, like, the Duke understands machinery and, like, all of that sort of strategy and how much things weigh and, like, that's and the men. nuanced thought that he's capable of. And then his job is supposedly to actually interact with people, which he is so bad at. He's a man's he man. Just... The... He's got the men the down. But it's really interesting. He knows the men want to know about how many women are there. Like, that is more important than anything. That's step one. Step two, you give him back the commission. Step three, you pick him up off the step sand. <laughs> no, he, he negative profited. He lost sure. the equipment and he lost the spice. I mean, he was furious. Well, but per Lily's point, oh, there was a, there was actually a section in there that I would. But anyway, per Lily's point, he didn't even make really any of those decisions. Gurney made them all. That's what I'm saying. 
he, but he he's chose got, Gurney. He's, side, he's got his number one. He's got his Commander Riker that's actually the charming one and that like sings the bodies and, and, and makes everybody happy and is like, dude, give them their money back, right? Like, you can't keep it. I love that his number one is the captain. <laughs> um, And the, meanwhile, the Duke is like, two minutes. 55 kilos on the space generators. He's superb driving. Yeah, man. Not Jessica, you know. Now you got me wondering if the Duke is on the Spectrum. And he's just like, I drive bird plane. I mean, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> um, shit, what else was I going to ask about that? How the Duke was full of rage. Oh, yeah. There's like a section in there where like, I don't remember exactly where, but where Paul is like, uh, everyone in the house knew not to bother the Duke when he was in a mood like this. Right. Further, like, he is an abusive, abusive man. Mm-hmm. But he made that ornithopter skid to a stop. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> right. So Within 20 the, meters of the factory. He's the evil Knievel of ornithopters, and he likes to beat everyone I was thinking more like the household. Ace Ventura. It's more of an Ace Ventura move. I think he flipped that thing sideways into that parking spot. Okay. One walked softly when the Duke was in a rage. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wild shit. Wild, wild shit. But then at the end of this, maybe, I mean, the, the history may be with Josh on this, against his own will and all previous judgments, Keynes admitted to himself, I like this dude. Yeah. But why? He's a man's man. And he didn't care about the profits. He didn't care. I mean, he was mad that he lost lost it, but that wasn't what made him real mad. That wasn't the rage. The rage was the fact that those men, his men were in danger, and somebody dropped the ball. And that's I think it's. I don't think it's the danger. I think it's the incompetence. I think he is someone who mm. is just like, there are procedures that must be followed. Right. This is he a can't waste. believe that. That that carryall was not answering to radio signal fourteen point seven five at the appointed you time. Oh, that would right. piss me off too. That would really, that would really, that would really get me. I'd be real pissed. That, that kind of shit ain't gonna fly in my administration. Right. I'm I'm not gonna let man's man arguments fly, Josh. In the future, you're gonna have to do better um, and not just rely on gender tropes for uh, same gender solidarity, but. Lee, it's with you, so who might argue? It's a, don't worry, Josh. It's just a space she can't look in. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so again, we found a unique and exciting way to get off track this week. I'm very proud of us. Right? We once again have <laughs> failed to comprehensively review three chapters. But we did comprehensively review two chapters. I know. Which is more than usual. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> Fair, fair, fair. We read uh, all the quotes. We did a more than 30-second rundown on the Ornithopter Top Gun, because Josh was so excited on it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Josh, you win. You win this episode. A cool one, this Duke. <laughs> says Kynes. He is a cool Duke. He is a cool he's, Duke. He's not a regular Duke. He's a cool Duke. Cool Duke Maverick. <laughs> I just want you to think of me as a cool dude, guys. <laughs> that, actually, I think that's that's the Duke. He does just... He's cool Duke Maverick. Yeah. No, no. 
He's not a cool duke. He wants you to think of him as a cool duke. He, right. yeah, his he idolizes Maverick. Like that's that's who he grew. That was like his childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, his childhood. Like I, I'm gonna be that guy. I have to say, I mourn the passing of uh, our generation of men <laughs> because y'all, to a number, at least white dudes. Love Top Gun. <laughs> Love Top Gun. Have every line of it memorized. Every man I ever dated had a story about how he watched Top Gun. I swear to you, has they watched Top Gun so much his parents wouldn't let him rent it from the video store anymore. All of them. You know, Lily, all y'all. Lily, that's a really good point. And you can be my wingman anytime. <laughs> Talk to me, Goose. <laughs> they got all our flog and spice. <laughs> all right. Well, good worlds collide. I feel I feel like we've come to an organic close yeah, here. No, this was good. Sandworm swallowing up the capture all. What is it? <laughs> we can talk about it, but yeah, I keep coming back to it. Like, all right. Um, well, I want to thank our sponsors again: Space Bags, Chum Cup Pro, Space Bag, Sneaker Snape Sniper, and the Sneaker Snape Snipers. Absolutely, you know, my favorite game these days. You know, in these uncertain times, we're all stuck at home, and you got to play something. Why not play Sneaker Snape Sniper? I can even play it with my parents. It's so pew, pew. simple. <laughs> pew, pew. came gasping into the rear, said, <laughs> The worm! It's almost on us! Blast off! <gasps> Ooh, boy! Do not go in there. <laughs>